0: I invite you to remain standing as I offer a brief rebuttal to the children's sermon. (laughs) Our campus is full not only of theaters, but gymnasiums and basketball arenas. As we come before God's Word and remain standing in body or spirit, let's do so very likely as Jesus and the disciples would have reciting what they called the Shema, and of course he made it the basis of the great commandment. Please follow after me in Hebrew, and we'll join together in English. Shema Israel! Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, this, on this Sunday when churches all over the world remember the baptism of Jesus, we turn to the gospel of Luke. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. It is a matter of some interest, uh, this question of why was Jesus baptized by John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist was preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin. And uh, Jesus didn't quite fit that category. In fact, in another gospel, John says to Jesus, No, I shouldn't be baptizing you. Well, if it wasn't that, what was Jesus doing there? Well, did his parents make him? I mean, that's normally my association with baptism, is usually the parents are carrying them up here, or in confirmation, pushing them up here. But Jesus' parents are nowhere in the vicinity. And, of course, he's an adult of about 30 uh, at the time of his baptism. Well, some say he was baptized as an example. And uh, that makes some sense to me. Even though John the Baptist lacked no candidates for baptism, people were lined up all over to come to see him. Of course, Jesus' example might encourage people in future generations to be baptized. But I think, for me, part of the answer about why Jesus was baptized Uh, publicly, uh, lies in this. People in the ancient world, um, Jews and um, the first Christians, remember they would have either been present and seen the baptism or they would have later heard the baptism. It would have been a long time before they could actually read about the baptism. So what I wanted to ask this morning is the crowd around Jesus and the next generation that followed, what did they see in the baptism? What did they hear at the baptism? And maybe that will be a clue as to part of what's going on with the baptism of Jesus. Well, the simple answer to what they saw, those who were gathered at the, uh, around the River Jordan and being baptized, they saw Jesus get into the River Jordan. Now, that's a pretty loaded picture. Because the River Jordan is uh, one of the, uh, has the steepest slope of most any river uh, in the world, and because of that, even though it's not deep, it can be at times, especially as snow melts on Mount Hermon, it can be rather chaotic and even a bit dangerous. And so, they might have been remembering the the stories of creation, where God created by ordering chaos, or maybe they were remembering the fact that once um, uh, their their ancestors had been enslaved to the Egyptians and had uh, gone through a chaotic water, the Red Sea, to find their freedom. Or maybe they even thought about the role the River Jordan played when they, it, the priest jumped in the River Jordan in Joshua 3, and the water parted, and, uh, and the, they walked across on dry ground into occupy the promised land. Maybe all that was in their mind. Maybe they saw their history flash before their eyes. But I think also another thing they would have seen is that Jesus was actually with them in the middle of the chaos. They would have understood that water is a picture of chaos, and so they would have seen Jesus not as a savior who stands on the bank and says, Good job, hang in there, keep going, but a God that actually walks into the middle of all the danger and terror and uh, trouble and difficulty of our life and gets in the middle. Uh, with us. Because the, the Jordan River, as many places, can be a dangerous place. Some of you may remember my favorite story from Israel. I, I was not present at the time. It was about a, a guide that was helping people renew their baptism in the Jordan River. Uh, and then he slipped and fell off the rock on which he was standing. And so the chaotic rushing river began to carry him Uh, downstream. And so uh, other tourists were standing at the bank yelling at him, watch your head or or lift your feet. They were different instructions of one kind or another. But one local who knew the river and uh, knew the situation and its danger jumped into the river at just the right spot ahead of him and caught him as he was going down the stream. The picture I think the Jews would have seen when Jesus got in the river is a God who will jump in the stream with us, not who's going to stand at the bank and yell at a distance. They would have seen a God who who is not exempt from the difficulties we had, but actually submits to our difficulties. It sort of reminds me that when I have a difficulty situation in life, uh, I wonder what grounds I have to think I should be exempt from difficulty when Jesus himself jumps in the middle of the difficulty. So the first thing they would have seen is not only their history flashed before them, but they would have seen that their God was with them. But then we might ask the question, and what would the first people of the baptism have heard, and the people who heard about the baptism from them, what would they have heard? They would have heard this amazing sentence, coming from heaven when the heavens opened, this is my son, uh, whom I'm loved, with whom I am well pleased. Now, the the sharper people among them, which probably would have been a lot of them, and knew their scriptures would have immediately recognized that the voice from heaven was quoting the Bible at Jesus' baptism when the Spirit came. It's a combination of three verses, uh, most people believe. Uh, Psalm 2, verse 7, which is called a royal psalm for the king, you are my son. Genesis 22, uh, uh, where uh, Abraham uh, is talking about his one and his only son. And then finally, Isaiah 42, where the suffering servant, God says about the suffering servant, the prophet Isaiah, uh, uh, the one who is to come through the prophet Isaiah, uh, this is one with whom I'm well pleased. So what they would have heard, first of all, is that uh, this God who was not only with them was actually for them and claiming them as family. Because I think the sense is that when we renew our baptism when, or when we're baptized, God intended that we would all hear the same thing Jesus heard, which is, you are my son or my daughter. With you, I'm pleased. It was the way of remembering our identity. So if we can say what they saw was that Jesus identified with them, what we might say is what they heard in Jesus was not only Jesus' identity, but their identity. And I think that's very important. The late Henry Nouwen used to point out that too often we let the world tell us who we are. And he says there usually are three ways we figure out who we are. Number one is you are what you have. So we are our possessions. Or you are what you do. We are our vocation. He said, or thirdly, and maybe even most dangerously, we are what other people say about us. And Nouwen used to say that when you look at the baptism of Jesus what you wanted to see was that, and hear was that God was saying, the world has many different opinions, and they'll give you their opinions of who you are. But my opinion is the first voice that you should always hear. And the first voice says that you are family, that you are beloved, that you belong to me. So the people, I believe, present at the baptism, would have known, not in future uh, events, that this wasn't just about Jesus. This was about them and that they were loved as they were, they were family. And I think they would have seen that. But I also uh, think that that's important for us to remember because as Brendan Manning once said, uh, the most important freedom any of us can ever enjoy is the freedom from the opinions of other people. Because we can get, even in a free society, we can get enslaved so quickly. And so we can remember, that's what they say, what does God say? And then, of course, the weight goes to what God says. I was listening to someone this week who said one of the most subversive things any person can do is be baptized. Because baptism says this is who you are. And baptism is not, um, uh, is not uh, superseded by your political party or the neighborhood in which you live or the fraternity or sorority of which you are a part baptism is your highest identity. It's subversive because it triumphs over everything else and says, before you are anything, you are a beloved child of God, and that's how we relate to one another. So they would have heard that. And finally, I think they would have heard this. As I mentioned, there are three scriptures that come together when Jesus is baptized. And the last one is what's taken from what's called the suffering servant, where uh, the person is called to work on behalf of God is going to have to be a servant of God. Uh, of the people, and in fact, we will read later in Isaiah the servant will even uh, his life will be taken on behalf of the people. so one thing we get is not only Jesus identifying and with us, we get our identity, but finally, we also get our commission. If you ever know, wondered what we were supposed to do, the answer is that our bab- our baptism that 's where we were given our commissioning our our um, our marching orders, they came there. And when it's done at the River Jordan in a chaos stage, I think basically what God was trying to communicate is your job is to deal on my behalf with this chaos. And I would suggest I think we can do at least three things. Number one, maybe the first thing we need to do is, as some of the people tried to do when the leader was getting swept down the Jordan River, a few of them had the idea to try to form a life chain. I don't know if you've ever seen that when someone was struggling in the pool or, or at the beach and one person holds another person, holds another person, and finally the person at the end or the front, we might say, is trying to do the rescuing so maybe one of the things we need to do is when people are drowning in their struggles of grief or loneliness or, or pain, that we form a link with each other to help them. I think that's part of why the church exists, is to help people in their struggles. But also I think that uh, another thing we would have seen is that Jesus was saying, look, you also need to try to work and order this chaos and bring something good out of it, which is what God did at creation. And that reminds me that it's not just individual problems that we try to help with, but we have to be attentive to how did people get in this situation in the first place? How can we begin in the power of the Holy Spirit to reorder their chaos? And then finally, it reminds us that uh, since creation uh, took place out of water in the very beginning, uh, that we are always supposed to be agents of what God is trying to create and bring forth in the world that is new. So we help those who are in need, those who are struggling, we try to change the situation where they won't, and then we create new opportunities to help people. And that becomes a part of our job description, which was revealed at our baptism. I know I've told some of you before that I had the privilege of growing up with a pool in my backyard. But one of the things that I noticed is that especially my sisters, when they they would get ready to go swim, they would not jump in. They would try to stick their toe in the water to see if the water was just right. Well, you know me, I just thought, well, that's no way to enjoy the pool. And so I would come behind them and give them a little nudge so that they could fully experience the joy of the pool. Well, I think one of the things is when we think about the Christian faith, some of us are concerned. And we just want to stick our toe in to this business of being with God and trying to help those who are in need in the world. But I want to tell you, not only does that not work, it just isn't enjoyable. The best part of life is that when you and I remember our baptism, come upon a situation in life that calls on us to act, and we don't stick our toe in, we jump. And surprisingly, when we get into the middle of it, look who's there with us, Jesus himself.